I like that. Can you do it a little bit louder? I can't hear it. Uh, yeah. Which one is it? Far right slider. There. Ooh. This is gonna get Tony song. Yeah, this has got some groove. How's the audio on your guys' end? Sounds good to me. How about you, girl? Yep, she's good. Everyone's rolling. We're recording. All right. We're ready to roll. Let's roll then. All right. And <clears throat> we'll pop it off here, you know? I'm digging the song. I'm digging the special guest we have today, Tony Blasha. What's up, Tony? Um, I'm here. Tony's here. Tony's had a <laughs> massive week, and he's made time so graciously to be a guest on the podcast, MLL. I am your host, Daddy Ned, and we're going to get into it today. Tony, we're talking about what? Interest rates again. Again, like it's negative. No, it's it's exciting. Well, it's, well, you it's were always again. the topic. It's always the topic. So this is now season four. The last time you were on was season one. And we did kind of like, I would say a PhD level of how interest rate works for mortgages. And what I really want to jump into, though, Tony, is we've seen some swings just in the last couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah. What's happened in the interest rate market? Well, so last time we talked, we, we did talk about interest rates and I made kind of some bold predictions, right? And I think, you know, I, I, I thought that, you know, rates were on the climb, but yeah. I thought that they may come back down at some point. And um, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that yet. Um, the big driver, as I mentioned last time we talked, is, um, the, well, there's really two things. It's the Federal Reserve has been purchasing mortgage-backed securities in large quantities. Uh, they call it quantitative easing, and that's been happening really since the pandemic started in March of 2020. Right. And we saw just a huge drop in interest rates. It's been really, really low. A lot of people have been able to take advantage of that, refinance their mortgages. It's really helped continue to drive the purchase market as well. And it's been it's been great. You know, everyone's really been enjoying that. But the Fed has to, at some point, start slowing their purchase of mortgage-backed securities. So they did announce that, as expected, on the meeting on November 3rd, I think it was, that they're going to start tapering the purchasing of mortgage-backed securities. So that just means, and, and U.S. Treasuries, because they've been purchasing both. And they're purchasing about $40 billion a month. Um, but they're also reinvesting dollars from any mortgages that have been paid off. So it's really closer to like 100, 115 billion a month. And they're gonna slow that by 15 billion per month. And really they only committed to do that for the next two months. So really just November, December, they're gonna slow their purchases and then kind of see how it goes. They're gonna reassess. They're gonna reassess. And it's good that they did it this way because the last time that the Fed was purchasing mortgage-backed securities and announced they were gonna taper or, or, or slow down their purchasing, the market freaked out and interest rates really spiked up and there was some damage done as a result. So I'm really happy with how it is they've moved forward with this announcement and it is gonna be kind of a measured pace. So that's good. And they're not gonna stop reinvesting the dollars um, from mortgages that are paid off. So it's, it's good news. We haven't seen a major reaction to that. Really the biggest driver right now of interest rates and, and the reason they're climbing is inflation. And we did talk about this, and I will be the first to say, if we continue to see inflation rise, which I, I would say that for some people, we thought it would already kind of hit that peak and start coming down, and we're just not seeing that right now. So it appears that, although the Fed said that inflation is transitory, and, and it was really just due to 
um, the year-over-year numbers going up because of you know the, the 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 pandemic and whatnot. Now we're seeing supply chain issues. We're seeing uh, other things. Gas prices are higher, um, and all of this is leading to more inflation than what was expected. Man. And inflation really is kind of the arch enemy of of bonds and if you just think about it from the standpoint of when you are purchasing bonds you're purchasing a long-term fixed asset so if, if the yield on it is three percent and that's for 30 years well that means that that you're making the same amount of money on that for the next 30 years and if inflation goes up and erodes the value of those dollars then there's less interest in these long-term fixed securities and so that's um that's what we're watching right now is inflation now just this week, we are seeing that we're starting to see shutdowns. I think it was, you know, Australia, uh, it, full lockdown. Re-shutdowns. Re-shutdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, okay. And in Europe, we're seeing shutdowns in Germany, uh, the Netherlands. I mean, just today. So, you know, this is this is kind of spooking the market, right? We're starting to see shutdowns from COVID again. You know, we may not be through this. And when, when the stock market is concerned about um, when there's when there's no certainty in the market, right? When we start seeing things like this and you go, well, gosh, is that gonna happen here in the United States again? What, what does this mean? Why are we seeing this surge in, in COVID cases in, in other countries and, and, and starting to shut down again? And so this is what I said, you know, this is what could lead to interest rates actually going back down is if we do see recessionary type, you know, things going on in the market that will curb inflation that will slow down the economy and interest rates will go back down so there's we're kind of in a, a uncertain I hear you know. saying. and and that was a really good run right there there's so much to unpack like you just filled the tree with presents and now <laughs> we've got a day on unpacking let's do it but to bring it together and i'm putting my my brain into the perspective of just a home buyer home buyer putting on this episode and they're like oh interest rates like you just shot them a phd and we need the fund size right so backing up to just three four years ago pre-pandemic right 2018 2019 we we're looking at average interest rates on a conventional on in the mid fours right really very realistic i think at one point we were in the high fours yeah. and people were at five so we have been in a market that was sub three for a majority of well-qualified home buyers for a while there. And now it's kind of hit the mid threes, which a lot of people are like, oh, I've missed my opportunity, right? First of all, remember just three years ago, guys, we were mid to high four. So it's still an amazing opportunity, right? Well, look at the last 50 years. If we, if we really wanna look at what are average interest rates, do you know what the average rate is over the last 50 years? Mm, 12 and a half it's eight percent it's eight percent and so no obviously that takes yeah, into yeah, consideration yeah. The we early. all hear that you, you know yeah. grandma says yeah. my interest yeah. rate was 18 percent yeah. yeah. when yeah. i bought my first home yeah no, but, I hear you. but my point is is even since then right that was that was the late 70s early 80s the rates were 16 18 percent and and that obviously throws off the average but even since then really you know interest rates in that six percent range five percent was was pretty normal. We've been very fortunate with these low rates that we've had for for a long time. But the good news is, Addy, I, they're not going to go away. I mean, I still think we're going to be, um, you know, the, the NBA is projecting that interest rates by the end of the year are going to be around four percent. Right. So I, we stay in the threes, in my opinion, um, through this. We're gonna we're gonna vacillate up and down a little bit. We could dip back down, in in my opinion, yeah. um, at some point. But um, that just really depends on what the economy does and what inflation does and 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 how 
the Fed continues to be measured or or not with their announcements about their purchasing. But but what can we unpack for 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 home buyers? If you're thinking as a, as a homeowner, what's going to help you kind of better understand? Well, yeah, you go that first thing that intro I explained. Don't freak out if you're trying to get into the market, whether it's refinancing now or if you're looking to purchase your home or relocate. You haven't missed the window on a fantastic interest rate. That's the first part. So don't overwhelm yourself with all the information right some right. of a lot of these are uncontrollable by people like just standard citizens like us but to know prior to the pandemic it was a little bit of an easier pace to understand where rates were going and it wasn't as volatile on the changes because we didn't have outbreaks that directly impact consumer spending or unemployment or employment figures all these things play into how the feds have then stabilized the market by purchasing mortgage-backed securities u.s treasury bonds and keeping those interest rates low they're almost throwing up they've been throwing wood on the fire totally right and that isn't normal right tony that's right and i think that's important for people to understand that that's where interest rates the reduction had come from originally, and it's got to go back to normal. So what Tony was explaining was, hey, they're going to stop putting logs on the fire and let the normal, you know, n organic environment be introduced again. Yeah. So this is the test phase that we're at. And I didn't know until you just said that it was just, what'd you say, one or two months, two months. Yeah. It's a two month test. Exactly. So your prediction in our first interview we did together in season three makes a lot more sense because i could see that prediction now oh well they're going to test and maybe the market will react wrong that's right it's almost like the first vaccine out there we don't really know how it's going to see we're right. just going to see we're going to test some patients and then see if there's any consequences before it gets approved right yeah so we're now transitioning into a slightly higher interest rate market than we were 90 days ago but there's a little bit of an unknown. And when is that period hit? With January's last month now? Or uh, November and December is, is what the, the test period is the test period where, where they've announced they're gonna taper by fifteen billion um, a month for those two months. And then and then see see where it's at. I will say this, and this is important for for I think potential homeowners to understand is they do not want rates to like skyrocket up. So they're gonna be very careful with how it is that they do this. I mean, they know they have to back out at some point. Um, Why don't they want them to go up? I think that's Because important. the housing market is so important to our economy and the Fed knows that. And it's been like a bright spot for a number of years. And we need to have that, um, it, we, we need the housing market to be strong for our economy. And so they're not gonna let it skyrocket. But here's the thing is, you know, luckily, you know, when the, when the pandemic hit and they needed to do something to, to stimulate things, they were able to lower rates down to 0%, the Fed funds rate. That's because it was above 0%. So they, they kind of had bullets in their gun, if you know what I'm saying. They mm. had something that they could do. The problem is right now, they've thrown everything at stimulating the economy and they have no bullets in their gun. So they have to kind of reload. And that means they got to back up a little bit from what they were doing. So if we get into a situation in the future where we need the Fed to step in and stimulate things, they have to have some something to give. Right, so they have to work it back over time, but they're going to do it very carefully, and um, and so I think that's that's a good that's a good thing. It means that rates aren't going to skyrocket any anytime soon, um, and like you said, no need to be super anxious about rates going up. And 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 here's the other thing is that, you know, 
house values are going up too. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you're a homeowner, you know, you don't want to just continue to wait. And rents are going up. I mean, it's like rents are going up, housing's going up, interest rates are going up. You know, and I talked about, you know, the concern for an investor in purchasing a long-term mortgage-backed security, but for a homeowner, it's the opposite. It's a great thing because right. you lock in that rate, your payment stops going, you know, your payment doesn't go up anymore, yep. except for potentially, you know, t- taxes, taxes insurance, insurance, things like mm-hmm. that, right? But rents are pr- projected to continue to rise. And so I really do think the timing's good. It's not like, hey, you, you have to do it immediately, but the I don't think we see a whole lot of um, periods of time in the in the distant future, if we're looking at a little bit longer, where it's going to be a better time to purchase a home. There may be little windows, like I said, where, where rates take a run back down because uncertainty uh, you know, in the economy. We'll see what happens with these shutdowns and, and kind of how this goes as we move through winter. That might have, a, have an impact. Um, rates could go a little quicker if we see some hot inflation numbers continue to come out. But, you know, most people are predicting that we are going to see that that um, start to, to go down a little bit. I mean, if you look historically at inflation, it's always transitory. I mean, it never it's never consistent inflation that just keeps going. It spikes up and then whatever caused that to happen usually goes away and it comes down. Even in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, it was crazy, but it wasn't for a long period of time. It was, it was really a a short window of of time and, and it corrected itself. And so that's, um, that's what I predict happens this time as well. Well, I I do want to just backpedal just slightly to the renting thing because you know, there's a lot of mortgage people out there who would just blanket that as a statement to convince people to buy, or even real estate agents. But rent, like they armchair that comment and they're not really giving it too much context, but it's so true. And today it's different because of the pandemic. When you had a lot of the stim checks being issued, the rental um, right, tenant rights, landlords lost a lot of money. Right. And they, I know people think that they recoup their losses, but not all of them did. A lot of people lost a lot of landlords, investors, a lot of, a lot of money. Well, and they haven't been able to raise rents in many, many areas, right? Yeah. So there was, there was stays on increasing rents and, 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 and evictions and all of that stuff. And so when well, like the deposits are higher, the penalties, like 100%. it used to be, you know, oh, okay. One month's deposit. Now in my market, Portland, it's like first, maybe three months, depending on the credit and you know, a thousand bucks for every pet you got, including iguanas. Like, <laughs> dude, some of these people, like, seriously, the deposit is close to yeah. a really good jumpstart of a down payment Eddie, to start a lease. I, I have a rental property, and I got some advice from, um, you know, kind of what what the market was because mm. I've I'd sold my rental properties, and I, I kind of was out of the landlord game, but I had an opportunity to purchase a property, and I did. Nice. Get this. The deposit that they gave me to move into this home was ten thousand five hundred dollars. I mean, three percent down for first-time homebuyers. Yes, That's sir. a hefty start there with ten Gs. It's a lot of money. It was a lot of money. I mean, what do you do if you're eighteen years old and you get five hundred bucks max? How do you even get an apartment? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's almost easier to buy a home, honestly, versus mm. the amount of money you need to 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 do to rent some of these houses. I mean, that's a really good point. I know with our renters, because when I do a lot of Zoom consults for the first time with our buyers, what I'll do is, you know, go through the pre-approval process or pre-qualification. And a lot of people ask me in return, hey, Addy, you know, what's the key to being a good landlord or reduce stress? And I told them the key to being a good landlord is having good tenants. Right. Like, it's so true because 
how high maintenance they are or how hard they are on the property will dictate, you know, your experiencing managing it. So I explained that story because a lot of people are really going to maybe think twice about renting think twice about allowing someone with maybe just a little bit of bruise credit or bad renter history into their unit so i love that you said it. it might be easier to get a mortgage these days than to get a lease approved right i mean we can we can do mortgages down to 580 fico scores mm -hmm. you know you can you can have some some blemishes on your credit and still get a decent rate um, especially with like the FHA program, there's down payment assistance to help with, yeah. with, uh, getting into to homes. So I'm telling you, I think that for some people, it's absolutely potentially easier to purchase a home. And I feel really good about the, the housing market. And I think that's another thing that's a concern for people is there's been so much appreciation in home values that they go, well, this, this can't last forever. There must be a bubble, mm -hmm. but here's the thing is that, you know, that's just not the case. There is, it's a, it's a supply and demand issue, and there was not enough homes built over the last decade after the, the meltdown in, in 08. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the number of people, if you just look at the demographics, the number of people that are in that, you know, 27 to 33 age group, which is that prime age for, you know, family formation, household formation, um, they're the highest they've ever been since the baby boomers. And I'm telling you, that is not gonna, you can't, you can't argue with the numbers. You know, the numbers are what they are. And there's a lot of people that need houses. There's not enough houses out there for them. And, you know, the, the housing market's gonna continue to stay strong for a, a number of years. So don't let that fear keep you on the sidelines and continue to pay higher and higher rents and wait for interest rates to go up. I really do think, and I, it sounds like I'm a mortgage guy, so I'm like, oh, hurry, you know, but it really is if you look at what's going on and you understand the markets, um, it's still a really great time to, to purchase a home. It's kind of like that idea of like, when's the best time to plant a tree? Right. And, and the answer is 20 years ago, when's the second best time? It's like right now, right? Immediately. And that's kind of, uh, what yeah, the, like the, the tree things I get on, I hadn't heard that in a really long time. <laughs> what just caught my attention though, is that thing like, oh, I'm a mortgage guy. And you call a lot of mortgage professionals and someone that's just looking to get a transaction might say something like this, like now's the time, like the tree analogy or whatever. I always try to take that perspective that Tony of like, okay, where are you coming from? Right. Um, a common question right now, like I got a, got, got a call the other day was, Hey, you know, I'm at 3.5 on my interest rate and I've decided that I'm not going to move. Should I refinance? Right? So the way you really can identify a difference between someone that's really acting as a mortgage advisor rather than a, just a transaction person is they're going to ask you probing questions, right? Right. It's not just a yes or no. I think that's why we do have a career in the mortgage industry is asking those additional questions. And it's this little pinball game of like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And with that particular person, they're asking me, okay, are you, you know, you're at 3.5, you know, what's, what's your credit score? Where are you at with your consumer debt? Where are you bleeding? Because the first thing people always go is like, I need to lower my interest rate. Well, you might actually have a really good interest rate. You might just need to address where you're bleeding, maybe on credit cards 
or a personal loan at 20%, right? So then you want to do the math. Well, with the restructure and being able to pull some of that equity out, do the updates in the home, isolate that debt that you've racked up and you didn't address, be the better play for you. It's not just a yes or a no. Some people I've talked to, it's a no. And I'm okay with that. You've got a great interest rate. That debt that you have is super small. It's like $2,000. You don't need to be refinancing to eliminate $2,000 in debt. That would be the exchange of spending $3,000 in closing cost fees to eliminate $2,000 you're going to pay over 30 years. Right. Right? But some people are in a different hardship. But if something happened, they had to take care of their family member, and that debt came from a bigger household, right? Well, there's a lot of people who went through things during the pandemic and they had to rack up credit card debt to get through or whatever. And now their, their job situation is now stabilized and they're, they're back to work or or whatever was impacting them. Or a lot of people changed careers. A lot of people moved. Uh, All of those things, you know, were, were expenses potentially that, uh, that, that people racked up. And and you're right. Sometimes the very best advice for a, a client is, um, to, to keep what they have. It's, it's really refreshing. I think for, a uh, a homeowner to be able to call a lender that they trust and say, hey, I just want you to review my situation. And if they're in good shape, then they're in good shape. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what you should tell them. But you should be asking questions about their other debts. What are they trying to accomplish? What are their long and short-term goals? And is there anything that they could be doing with the equity in their home to restructure it in a way that's going to help them accomplish other parts of their of their financial goals absolutely like i had this client that called me maybe a year year and a half ago right and like hey you know we want to refinance and it was like okay what do you want to do well we want to remodel our home or whatever it's like well do you think that you're going to sell that's the first one of the first questions I asked because there is a cost to restructuring your mortgage or refinancing, right? So you want to make sure the amount of time that you're going to be in the home is going to break you, break you even on that refi. Right. That's the first thing. So they said, no, actually, we're going to sell in six months. Oh, good. Don't touch it. You know, do what you can to do the updates in the home or whatever and get it prime and ready for for open market. Right. Well, that plan went away because they could not find what they wanted for the school districts, that price point that they wanted. So then they came back to me again. It's like, okay, for sure we're not gonna sell, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and do a full remodel because we're gonna make our home the way we want it. We need an extra office because they're working remote now, pandemic shakedown. We also want an area where our kids can do school remote in case they're not able because they were just too crammed, right? So we went ahead and did that refinance because they committed to staying there for another six to eight years with the school situation. So there's another example where like, you can't just chase the media. Oh, interest rates are gonna jump or they're gonna plummet or I'm gonna try to play it the right way. Often those uncontrollables are just a big waste of time. You gotta focus on your personal timeline and what's best for your family. Yeah, I can't think of really any situation where duration is not a factor when you're talking to someone about their their home loan how long they're going to be there is a major factor to whether or not you're going to pay discount points whether or not you're going to you know there's all sorts of things that um that are determined by what you anticipate your duration in that home that's a big one with the the discount points too and i've beat it like a dead horse on this podcast but it's like so many people get confused because they talk to lender one two three 
and they get three different interest rates, but they don't understand how that interest rate was determined. First of all, your credit score. Secondly, what is the loan associated cost, which was what Tony's referring to discount points. So with interest rates, everybody, you are either going to have a credit or a cost for that rate that's on your mortgage, right? Everyone usually shoots for what's called best execution. So on no credit or no cost, that's called best execution. Now you could go to Tony and Tony's like, I'm gonna get you three and a half, and then you could come to me and I'd be like, well, I'm at 3.00. You think right off the jump, I'm better, right? No, I might be charging you $10,000 for that 3.00, and Tony's giving you a gracious $750 credit, reducing your out-of-pocket expenses, but guess what? The person that's trying to just do this after a long day of work, a nine to five, pausing Netflix, and the wife's like, give him a call, thinks the (laughs) 3.00 is a better deal, right? Well, well, here's the worst part about all that, and that's a great explanation, but the worst part is, is that, typically you're going to see interest rates that are advertised and companies that spend a lot of money to advertise rates, whether it be on, you know, on the internet or in the newspaper or wherever they're advertising rates, they know that consumers are drawn to the lowest rate possible. So you are almost always looking at an interest rate that has a fairly significant cost associated with it, meaning discount points. A lot of online lenders quote their interest rates right out of the gate with like two discount points. Well, if you got a $500,000 loan, I mean, you're talking about $10,000. 10 Gs. (laughs) We got to do some math and see if this is going to make sense for you, right? Like, again, how long are you going to have this mortgage? Chances are paying discount points like that in almost every case is, is not worth getting the lower interest rate. Well, yeah, and you do need to do the math. Say you are going to maybe it's not as dramatic as what examples are giving. Maybe it's the difference between 0.1 and 0.2, and it would change your closing costs by two or $3,000. A good mortgage advisor is going to calculate the break even on that increased closing costs and tell you, okay, look, you know, it's gonna lower your payment by about $30, but cost you about 3,000. So your break even is gonna be about 30 payments. Can you ensure that you're gonna be in this home for two years? Yeah, I, I think we're going to do that. Two and a half years. Yeah, I think we can do that, Addy. Definitely like a four or five year house for us. The kids are going to go from elementary school. Then we're going to try to transfer to this high school for sports. Okay, that lines up, right? Right. But someone coming to me, no, my goal is to hang on for a two year. I know this area is going to appreciate. Then I'm going to sell it and I'm going to take that equity and buy another home. We don't want to be spending more money to lower your payment $40. Right. That's just taking away equity position and profit out of your next step. Well, and, but there's always the X factor though, too. Even if you think you're going to be there for five years, things happen, right? Totally. I mean, good point. We have another, we had another baby, you know, like, you know, we, we need, need more, another room. We need more room. Um, Our neighbors are scary. Or, or rates drop again. You know, we take another run to the bottom and all of a sudden it would make sense to refinance, but you paid a bunch of discount points to get a, a, a three and a quarter rate because rates have gone up closer to four, you're paying discount points. And then all of a sudden they run down to two and a half again and you go, huh, huh. you know, now I'm refinancing and you've cut off that break, even point right. the original structure. So awesome points, Tony. And I really think one of the takeaways is the safe play on the structuring is that best execution. Talking to a real human. And when I say a real human, not calling 1-800 mortgage and getting cubicle land USA. And it's right. someone making 400 calls a day. 
No, talk to a professional that is licensed in your region, your local area, and have the conversation and look to have your best executed rate. It's very bottlenecked now from company to company. They're all pretty close. Yeah, you can nickel and dime and try to save a little bit here or there, but in our world and the way that our team works is we earn your business through the advisement, the honesty, the transparency. Yeah, And I see a lot of people too, that when they get so tied up on the rate and saving a hundred dollars or a hundred two hundred dollars in fees and this and that they lose it somewhere else guess what they were so focused on the nickels and dimes something in the negotiation process of the house got overlooked yeah. or they tripped and fell on this or that bangladesh lender closes late and there's financial penalties for you as a buyer at a hundred dollars two hundred dollars a day or you lose your dream home because it didn't close on time and there was backup offers, right? I mean, there's so many things that can it that goes go on, wrong. Goes it goes on, on and on. Yeah. Well, and I, I could go on for that for a really long time, Tony, but to slide into kind of a closing segment here, I want to open up and explain a little bit more if you could give me your insight on, we're talking specifically the Fed setting, you know, the purchases of mortgage-backed securities, U.S. Treasury bonds, and that impacting the real estate market, but how does that impact other economical sectors like auto, um, small business loans, uh, different financing sectors that are directly related to this inflation environment. Yeah. So look, as long as the Fed is purchasing mortgage-backed securities, those are directly impacting the price of mortgage-backed securities, but they're also purchasing U.S. Treasury bonds. And what this is doing is just keeping interest rates overall very low. And they're mm -hmm. also keeping the overnight cost of money very low, which is what banks charge each other for the, that overnight cost of funds. So as long as overnight cost of funds is low, as long as you know uh, ten tenure treasuries are low, that means all interest rates are going to be low. And what it means is it is going to be cheaper to, to purchase a, a car or you know any of your your, your lending uh, situations, even your credit cards are gonna have lower interest rates because they're all tied to these indexes and they're all low when the Fed's putting stimulus in to keeping it low. So it, it does impact everything. Um, it's also can, can kind of be inflationary when rates go up, um, even though inflation is, is kind of the arch enemy of, of long-term fixed return on bonds, um, but things get more expensive when the cost to borrow them is higher, right? So, um, and if it gets too high, then all of a sudden, you know, there's less demand because people aren't going to finance and, and money's not cheap and they're going to buy less and then it'll go the other direction. So that's why these things are transitory. They, they, they work both ways and it, it creates kind of a, a balance. Really what took it out of balance was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so we have seen the Fed just throw everything they have at, at stimulating the, the economy yep. and really pushing interest rates down. Um, that's helped the housing market. Uh, a lot because right. it's made money really cheap and um and they're going to slowly back, back us out of that and um and there's going to be there's going to be some some ebb and flow as we go you know the analogy that i love is you think about a kid you know playing with a yo-yo on an escalator okay mm. so if we think that interest rates are going to long term be going up that they will but you think about that yo-yo going up and down and while the overall trend is going to be increasing interest rates mm. um slowly but over time but there's going to be times where they dip where that yo-yo yeah. drops down on the way up and so that's another thing that a really good mortgage advisor though can can help you do is time 
that you know when you lock in your interest rate you know watching the the, the trading of, of mbs because even though there's stimulus and there's other outside impacts it still trends up and down like any markets do and so one of the things that i always say to people is if you know if you're really shopping for your mortgage and you're calling all these different lenders um sometimes locking in the lowest rate on any given day can cost you a ton of money because you picked the wrong day. It was mm -hmm. the lowest rate on that day, right. but you should have locked next Tuesday right. uh, because there was some, some impacts going on. There was things coming out in the, in, in the market and a good mortgage advisor is going to have, you know, their finger on the pulse. No one has a crystal ball, but you should know what's going on in the market. That's a good point. And a lot of consumers or home buyers, especially first time home buyers don't understand that their interest rate is floating until a you get an accepted offer then you're eligible to lock in that rate which is now susceptible to current market conditions right so another play it's a little nugget to take away if you're watching or listening say you go get pre-approved but you're not going to buy a home for you know eight weeks maybe three months whatever it might be they get that initial quote whether it's a loan estimate or pre-approval or a verbal hey this is what your interest rate is and your payment a lot of consumers think that is what their interest rate's going to be when they finally get a home and an accepted offer not true it is floating and i'll tell you right now there you'll see some billboard stuff out there like lock now then go shop those there's penalties fees oh, yeah. it's that's all just a scam in my opinion um so just know that you are floating similar to buying a stock well here's the other thing and i hate to say this but it's true is that you know a mortgage lender will have a propensity to quote a lower rate if they know that you can't lock in your rate so you gotta be really careful about that. You do. If you make your decision 100% on the rate they quote you, as you're starting the home buying process, right. it could be months down the road, you know, before you actually get into contract and are eligible to lock in that rate. And you made your determination based on a number. I mean, it's, you know, I, I would like to think that most lenders are gonna be quoting you an honest rate on what they can lock that day. But the reality is you can't lock. I mean, I could tell you that the rate's zero but we got to lock in the next hour. You're like, I don't have a house. Well, sorry. Uh, it's going to be, it. it's going to be three and a half tomorrow. Just, just was checking in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So again, I hate to say that because that's not um, an honest way to do business, but you do have to realize that to your point, if you're not in contract with a specific address, you are not eligible to lock your rate. Yep. And that is something you'd be want to talk to your, well, and that's why it was through my mortgage advising process, what I do is when you go through and get pre-approved with me independently, one of the first things I explain is that run that we had about discount points. That's the first thing. I mean, I have a whole paragraph in a Word document that I copy, paste, and then I edit specifically for the person. And it's explaining that higher the rate, credit, lower the rate, cost. Here's where we're at today, but these are floating. Then when you're going out into the open purchase market and trying to get into contract, you wanna work with someone like me or a good advisor that's going to refresh those numbers right before. And that's a foundational thing for me because when I bought my first home, I had no idea. He would have blindfolded me. I didn't know what, what was this number or this number. Okay, I can get the house, great. No, work with your advisor on refreshing those numbers before you submit it. What is my buy down or buy up if I have this accepted today? Yeah. What are my options now? Yeah. And it actually makes you more competitive and it allows your real estate agents to 
navigate through the negotiation process in a no huddle offense style, if you will, because you're not waiting. Can I go up? What is the payment going to be if I go up a little bit? And you know what you're dealing with hypothetically in time. So try to work with someone that is going to give you that attention to detail. It makes a massive difference. It does. Because if you change lenders, Tony, if you change lenders, it does require an addendum. The seller has to agree to it. This seller does have to agree to it. And if the seller has cold feet, doesn't want to do it, doesn't now thinks that maybe, oh, well, my neighbor came knocking on the door, said they give me 10,000 more than what you just offered. And you had presented a change in financing addendum. They have an out. They have a legal out yeah. to reject it. Well, and look, the last the, you do not want to find out that you're being charged discount points when you go into contract. I mean, if they've been quoting you a rate all along that had discount points and you don't have it in writing and what's, what's part of that, and all of a sudden you realize that there's an extra $5,000, $8,000 of costs mm-hmm. to get the rate that you thought you were getting, not that's not the time to find out. No, it's not <laughs> the time to find out. And I think there is a lot of ping-ponging here, but really good information because we're diving into A, don't be freaked out. This is my conclusion officially. just to put that out there so don't be freaked out by where interest rates are because relative to just three years ago everybody there's still fantastic opportunity to have access to money long term and isolate that overhead at a very good financing terms right and i love that escalator to yo-yo yeah they'll likely trend higher with inflation and back to a little more of a neutralized market pace but there's still going to be blips The yo-yo piece, right? Gosh, that paints such a good story, Tony. I love that. So just note that the foundational piece to it is getting pre-approved, working with someone that's going to, you know, shoot you straight, explain to you what the costs are specific to discount points, and know that you're floating to you have an accepted offer. Um, And then lastly, you know, with inflation going up, the cost of borrowing money is slowly going to go up. Not just mortgage side. These are going to be loans. These are going to be credit cards. All this stuff is going to get a little more expensive. But I think the positive is that's going to throttle down inflation. Right, Tony? Yeah, well, that'll that'll be part of it. And I also think that rents are going to continue to rise. So let's not forget about that. You know, I do think that that's something that every potential homeowner should be thinking about. Like everyone needs a place to live. The question yeah. is, are you going to own it on a fixed rate mortgage or are you going to rent it with it continually increasing rents? And, um, you know, I think that that owning it is, is, is a smarter choice. And I think that it gets more expensive to do that as time continues to go on. I don't see anything in the foreseeable future that's going to have a big drop in in um, in, in home values or a huge spike in interest rates. But I do see values continuing to rise, rates continuing to rise, rents continuing to rise. You just got to decide where do you want to be in this equation? Oh, man. Well said. And hopefully our producer can hit our outro music so I can give my... (laughs) Let's see if they can figure out. Push one of those buttons for a song. (laughs) The pressure's on. Renee. Oh, we got it. Oh, fantastic. Because I'm not very good with intros or outros without the music. I don't know why. It just doesn't feel right. The music definitely adds an element. It does. uh, It gives you like a pace to work to. You start nodding your head. but We should have just left the music on the whole time. That can be distracting and hard. Okay, well, you're okay. What do we get, like, <laughs> jazz music? Or, like, I guess you'd really have to think through it. But once again, Tony, thank you so much for being here today. And I hope if you're watching or listening uh, to MLO that you got some great nuggets and takeaways here that only position you to be more competitive and more educated in the real estate space. So once again, my name is Addie Nett, and I want to thank you for 
watching or listening. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Take care.